to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. It was not to be for our Tillies today, our young Tillies. They went 2-0 down to Brazil, which makes me very frightened for the future of the Australia-Brazil rivalry, but also excited if I put my neutral hat on. But it means there is now plenty to play for in Australia's final group game at the Under-20 Women's World Cup. But before we start looking too ahead, we need to talk about this Brazil game. So let's crack into it. Before we start, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today, you have me, Marissa Lordanik, Sam Lewis, and Angela Christian-Wilkes. So let's talk about it, gals. 2-0 to Brazil, goals to Priscilla and Aline. They were both very well-worked goals, this Brazil side. Again, switching the hats between the neutral and the, the Tillies fan hat. Neutral hat. Brazil looked good. Brazil looked really, really, really good. Um, We showed glimpses, I suppose. I don't know if that's being generous or maybe a little bit harsh, but what did we make of this one, Sam? How did you see this game? Because obviously very different to the Costa Rica win first up. Yeah, sort of polar opposite vibes. (laughs) If we're we're measuring things based on that. Um, Yeah, keeping, I suppose, the neutral hat on, this Brazil team, wow. You know, like I was lucky enough to be able to watch a full match replay of the Spain-Brazil game um, in, on the first match day. I know that not many people have had access to it because of geo-blocking, but I was able to find a, a replay and and that game was really incredible. And even against Spain, um, a, a team that has just won the under-19s women's Euros, Brazil were completely dominant for the vast majority of the game. They, they should have won it by a good couple of goals, um, but... But for you know, absolutely miraculous defending from Spain, including I think two goal line clearances and an amazing sort of uh, stint from a goalkeeper, they sort of kept it to nil nil. Um, and I guess we saw um, what happens when this Brazil side comes up against a team that doesn't necessarily have those kinds of defensive um, stocks. Not to say that Australia's defence were bad. I thought they were good for some patches, particularly in the middle. Um, as in the central defenders, but this this Brazil team is just so impressive in so many different ways. Individually, they are all incredibly talented. They all are so confident with the ball at their feet. They're not afraid to take players on. They're not afraid to use their skills. And they, they, they were just so much stronger and faster and hungrier for the ball for majority of this game. And even outside of just the individual performances which I'm sure we'll get into later with a couple of absolute standouts as a unit they were just as a collective team on the field they just worked in harmony with each other you know it was it was uh, the way that I sort of look at it is what happened to Brazil whenever they didn't have the ball and almost immediately you saw them sort of whip back like elastic into really drilled choreographed lines of defense and you saw them press collectively. I don't think I ever saw a single player run out to try and trigger a press without the rest of the line behind them following. Whenever they didn't have the ball, apart from probably a period in the second half where the young Matildas started to sort of control possession a little bit more, Brazil were all over them. They, as, as soon as they lost it, they, they harried and, and hassled and, and pressed and, and overwhelmed them, particularly in midfield. So yeah, that, that, it was it was sort of just incredible, and and honestly, it's pretty amazing that we've escaped with 
just two goals down. You know, Brazil created so many major chances. I think the, the, the stat is that they had like almost 30 shots on goal to Australia's one um, and eight of those were on target. So yeah, the, the fact that we've only come away uh, 2-0 losers is uh, pretty miraculous considering the quality of the team and the quality of the chances that they created over the course of this 10,000 minute match. <laughs> yeah, I've got to agree with all of that. And yeah, it was interesting. It, it just felt like they were like, so there was that torrential rain, but it was sort of like they were this, this fog that just pressed on Australia there were moments in the game where Australia were basically just we they had possession they were passing the ball around but they were Brazil were just like looming over them forcing them to pass it back and force the error and I was just like how are you how are you doing that I don't know um and I think that reflected in Australia's play in that um the young Tillies were I don't they didn't come across as a didn't come off across as rattled as I would have expected, but they were still very much like not able to play the game that they wanted to. I was quite impressed with, um, I guess, yeah, the the last ditch defending that we saw from um, a lot of the players, but in terms of being able to actually problem solve around the fact that Brazil were just finding those immaculate passes behind and able to bring in these sharp runs, like, being able to, as a unit, address that in the moment. Um, we didn't really see that from um, Australia, which is fair enough. Like, it, it, it's a very, very hard problem to solve. Um, but, yeah, on the, on the whole, I would say going with my pre-tournament preview, pre-pre, um, not a thumping, but definitely could have been a thumping. You know what I mean? Um, and so there were, and those glimpses that we saw, that was definitely more in terms of our defence, which, again, I wanted to see how we held up under significant pressure. Uh, and it was good to see, for example, Sally James, her kind of um, demeanour throughout the whole match and her her energy, and she was still very much in it the entire time. And they didn't drop their heads. The Chili's didn't drop their heads, which I was really pleased to see as well um, because it would have been, super easy to just kind of with the circumstances of the game as well like completely lose your marbles but they didn't so there are there are positives I think um basically a run-on from what we spoke on last time like we can still see quite a resilient group of young players here um I will say as well I don't know if this is a really silly thing to have noticed this Brazilian team are very yadded up is that Yes, a normal yes. thing. I was <laughs> saying this in the studio as well. Like it's it, like so many of them have like full sleeves and like huge like pieces all over their body. I'm like, you're 19, and like save some room for when you become an adult, you know, and actually figure out who you are and and, and what you care about. But I mean, like as <laughs> a, a as a yadded person, yeah, as a yadded person, I'm like, I respect it. You know, I respect the attitude. I respect the the commitment to the I don't know the the the, the vibe of the thing. I'm going to say vibe a lot probably in this podcast because I'm running out of words. No, all, all good. I respect that. Um, yeah, so those are my takes. That's all of them. I've exhausted them. Pod over. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. You can find us on ESPN.com.au. <laughs> I will say I did also notice the yatting. The yatting? That feels like the wrong verb, but you know what I mean. And I had the exact same thought. I was like, aren't you all babies? Don't you need to be like... 18 
how, like how much time have you all spent at a tattoo studio? Doesn't really matter. You also mentioned the fog, the rain. We do need to talk about it a little bit because this match was delayed for over an hour due to the torrential rain in Costa Rica. It was absolute insanity. You saw the girls were absolutely drenched. The ball wasn't moving as it should anymore. There were puddles forming everywhere. How did this affect the the game and the teams? Yeah, I, I feel like Australia probably was the team that suffered most from this. The, uh, the girls are probably not used to playing in conditions quite like this, whereas Brazil being the kind of country that it is in the kind of climate that it has, I would say they're probably more familiar with what it's like to do this sort of thing. But at the end of the day, it, it does come down to, I guess, mental resilience. It comes down to preparation. It comes down to what happens in those breaks and how you um, manage time, how you manage bodies, how you stay warm, what you address in that moment as well. Like during the broadcast, for example, Grace Gill was, you know, being a former player, having been in situations like this before she spoke to that, she was like, you know, in these extended periods of time, you need to really like, this is where man management really comes to the fore. This is where you need to understand um, where your players are at, what they need in those particular moments, how you maintain or how you switch um, certain kinds of momentum, whether it's psychological, whether it's physical, whatever, um, and coming back out and, and thinking about the next stage of the game in a different or a similar kind of way. But it, it sort of felt like when we were, when they did come back out, yes, they held Brazil out for the rest of that half because they didn't score another goal, which was great. But it, it did sort of feel like Brazil still had the upper hand, even despite the disruption it, it, it seemed like maybe being a goal ahead helped in that way they did they played more confidently and and they didn't really seem to feel the need to change anything which I guess makes sense because they presumably felt that they had the upper hand in this tie before the rain interrupted things and then afterwards as well and then coming into the second half that uh, they like Australia started in the first like 10 seconds pretty well. And then like the goal happened and then the VAR check, which went for 10 billion years happened. And I feel like that was almost like a compressed version of the rain delay. It, it seemed to sort of shift something in the confidence of Australia slightly, which meant that after that moment and going a goal down, obviously as well, they just didn't look the same. They didn't look like they had the same belief in themselves as what they did for certain patches and particularly not against Costa Rica. They didn't give themselves the chance really to settle and to play the kind of football that I think they wanted to play. And that was also due to Brazil, you know, predicting what they were going to do and, and knowing their key players and being able to shut down the, the key channels and the, and the passing lanes that Australia were going to be using you know, the, our midfield was very, very quiet. I thought probably Hannah Lowry was our standout midfielder and even she didn't really do a huge amount. Daniela Galich was almost absent um, and Sarah Hunter was basically bundled off the ball anytime she got near it. And that's a credit to Brazil. They, they completely smothered Australia's most creative players and it got to the point where it was basically just bomb it long and hope that we can run past them, which we can't because they're also really fast. So it's like, well, what can we do? You know, and it, it, I was, you know, thinking during the broadcast as well, like 
I wouldn't I wouldn't be averse perhaps if we see a similar moment against Spain to um, shifting formations because like yeah four three three I get it it's the Australian way whatever but in moments like that where your midfield is being smothered and you need an extra body in there particularly to stop the the runners in between lines surely you just move to a four four two surely you just have a Sheridan Gallagher as the sort of the the big point person up front and you have a little quick player playing off her shoulder and you try to dominate midfield and put central passes through those channels instead of constantly going wide and then constantly trying to cross the ball into the box which hasn't really worked it, it definitely didn't work in this game so yeah, but I mean, that's a that's conversations for Lee Blaney and her coaching staff, and and whether she wants to um, adjust in those kinds of um, structural ways. But you know, it, it, this was the kind of game where it exposed uh, what happens when Plan A absolutely is not going to work. What does the team do next, and what decisions are made on the field by the leaders in order to try and do something different? And it feels like they weren't really able to come up with a solution today. Were you guys at all surprised that Leah Blaney decided to go with the unchanged starting lineup? Did that please you? Were you hoping to see more changes or was it a kind of case of if it ain't broke, don't fix it? I, I'm surprised, not surprised nor unsurprised, you know, um, but I guess that talks to my lack of brain cells at 6 a.m. in the morning but my brain was like so you're prized <laughs> I'm prized <laughs> but I yeah there was a moment um that just reminds me of like when Paige Zoys came on and I was like in my head um I had my eyes closed disclosure listeners I feel like I've been exposed already I may as well admit it and my brain you know when you're like half asleep and your brain just goes places and it was like so how do you pronounce it it's like choice with a z zoice and it I don't I don't know it's just what it was like the brain was moving but not very not very quickly or not very far um anyway so that's been a tutorial on how to say page zoice uh, what, what the lineup? The lineup. I was surprised. I guess just because in terms of like th- this was going to be a big game as well, so some kind of rotation would have made sense. But uh, at the same time, the consistency. I feel like that's probably gonna that would have worked well in in their favor. So it does. Uh, in the end, it does. It does make sense. Um, I guess they. Did they line up? Sam, maybe you can talk to this. I feel like Google's lying to me again. I feel like they lined up a little bit more defensively, but um, it it was actually quite hard to tell because we weren't getting any sort of attacking (laughs) movement from the Matildas. So it was hard to see how like they wanted to actually line up and how they wanted to have the players kind of align on the field when so much of the game was in a half. I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. It's there weren't really opportunities for us to see what we looked like when we were going forward in that four three three that we saw against Costa Rica. Um, there were a couple of moments where a Briley Henry or a Sheridan Gallagher got down the wings and tried to cross it in to Carly Johnson through the middle. But number one, Johnson was so absent she may as well not have even been on the pitch. And number two, all of those crosses were blocked anyway. They, the Brazil defenders were always one step ahead. They always knew what Australia were going to do in that sense. So in terms of, I guess, the, the formation lining up 
more defensively. I didn't really feel like it. It was just that, yeah, like Brazil sort of forced it in, into that kind of deeper role. And I think Daniela Galic, um, her being quite, um, yeah, her being quite absent as well is probably a reflection of that because she's not a hugely defensive player. Hannah Lowry was very, very defensive. She made a number of backtracking runs to clear balls in the box, you know, um, whereas usually she probably wouldn't be the one who is doing that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I, I am a little bit surprised that Blaney didn't make a change. I would have liked to have seen Abby Lemon start on the wing. Cause I thought that against Costa Rica, she brought a real energy and a, a bit of technical quality that we were maybe lacking in the wide areas and being able to have someone who may not have been as quick, but has the ability to cut a ball back and dink balls over the top. That was sort of what we needed because we weren't getting around Brazil's fullbacks. They were just too quick. And so we needed to come up with different ways of cutting in field and threading smaller through balls in between the fullbacks and the centre-backs for someone to nip onto through the middle. And it just didn't seem like the players on the field were... um, that 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 was one of their instincts. Like they were, they sort of seem like the kinds of players, Briley and and um, and Sheridan, to charge down the wing and and cross it wide and to try and get someone faster to nip onto the end of that, rather than being a little bit more clever about it, which I think Brazil were. And I said during the broadcast that like we could actually learn a lot from some of Brazil's players and the way that they were going, particularly Yaya, who was the number eight, that central midfielder who constantly found these what felt like massive pockets of space between Australia's midfielders and their defenders. And, you know, they, they used her, they used her as that sort of um, the, the sort of backboard player, you know, like a player who just dinks little passes and threads it through in diagonals and in triangles. Like it's not, it's not rocket science. It's just it's like set up in triangles and have players who are able to do one touch passes in and through lines. Like that's, that's not really that hard. And we have the quality players to be able to do that. We've seen Gallich and Hunter in particular, be able to do that at this kind of level. So yeah, it's a little bit, it's a, a little bit frustrating maybe that they weren't given the sort of structural opportunity in terms of the setup to do that sort of, to play that sort of football, to play that sort of way. Um, but yeah. And again, like, they wouldn't have anticipated the downpour. They wouldn't have anticipated then having to run on soggy grass for 10 billion minutes with the VAR delay. And so that probably took quite a lot of energy out of their legs. Um, Coming in against Spain, I would like to see more rotation because I feel like some of these players were run into the absolute ground um, and they're probably not going to be able to recover in time to come up against the kinds of uh, players Spain have, particularly Kirsty Fenton. I feel like Kirsty Fenton was really hung out to dry a lot in this game. I feel like I almost cursed her when I praised her performance against Costa Rica, but she got burnt by uh, Dudenia a, a really significant number of times. So, so I think her confidence has maybe taken a bit of a hit there. Um, but yeah, like I, I'd like to see some rotation, if not just to give the players a go, you know, just give them a, just give them a go, um, give them this experience. If we lose fine, as long as we go out there and we play the way that we want to play, we give these players opportunities to be part of it. We show that we have more depth and more complexity in our football than what maybe Brazil allowed us to show. And if we go down fine, so long as we go down fighting and we go down playing the way that we want to play, like I'm personally okay with that. I have two Brazilian name 
things that I need to mention because if we're doing Zoyce's choice with a Z, then I'm going to say things too. So Dadinha, not a dud. Might be in her name, but not a dud at all. <laughs> very good. Very, very good. And then I put this in the group chat, and I think this is real um, reflective of just the fact that we none of us are morning people. We try not to record pods in the morning. So us all watching this game at 6 a.m., really kind of influenced our mindsets and stuff. So Yaya also thought she was fantastic. But um, little fun Croatian language lesson for you all. Yaya is egg in Croatian, but with J's, not Y's, because Croatian. So I spent the whole game thinking about eggs because she was mentioned so often on the broadcast because she was on the ball so much. So two little fun name things that add nothing to the analysis of this game, but I felt compelled to tell you all. Um, I've learned so much, though. I'm I'm glad I could, you know, provide this uh, for you all. But, no, I just... I keep thinking, and we were speaking a little bit about it uh, pre-record, and you kind of mentioned it there, Sam, we're just Brazil kind of suffocated Australia so that we don't know if they were actually playing the way they wanted to because Brazil just simply didn't let them do anything, whether that be the press that you mentioned as well, Angela, that fog just descending on our back line anytime we tried to play out from the back. I felt like our midfield just, it, it wasn't there it wasn't allowed to do anything and then as you were saying our wide play I don't I don't really think of either Sheridan Gallagher or Briley Henry as wingers and yet that's where they're playing so the fact that Briley Henry down the right kind of was our outlet when we did somehow manage to enter our attacking half it never really went anywhere but I also didn't expect it to because that's not what I expect of Briley Henry as a player. And then when she was able to put a cross in, I'm, you know, looking at the box and it's a whole bunch of yellow shirts. And this time yellow shirts is not good for Australia. It's very bad for Australia. Also need to mention the the kit. It was not good. And that's all that needs to be said. That's how we should have known. We should have known that it's going to be a terrible performance just based on the, the kit that they came out in. Yeah, green shirt, yellow shorts, no, no. Cursed. Cursed. Um, but, yeah, I just I kept thinking about just how quick Brazil were, Brazil were pardon me, um, and I was thinking about it a lot in the context of uh, Tony Gustafsson and what he's been saying about how women's football generally the trends are that the game is getting quicker, the speed of decision-making, the speed of ball play, the speed of movement, everything is getting quicker, and I feel like yeah. we really saw that from Brazil and watching Australia in certain moments just look a half speed behind again neutral hat on stunning to watch Brazil do it but Tilly's hat on it was just like oh god it's it's like watching them in slow motion just it was just how good Brazil were but were there any kind of bright spots for Australia that we can really hold on to and hope we see more of against Spain? Um, again, attack wise, it's hard to say because we didn't have any attack, you know, it's, you can't really assess something that you haven't seen. So in that sense, no, but I, I've been again, impressed by Naomi Thomas, Thomas Chinema and Ella Tonkin as the two center backs. I thought that they were really, um, consistent. I thought that they were really commanding when they needed to be. Yes. They were a little bit slow every now and then, but particularly Thomas Chinema, I feel like she is a very composed defender and she or she reads the game very well which is how she never panics 
you know, like a panicky center back is a center back that doesn't predict what's going to happen. But she seems like she has that kind of brain about her. And so she's always largely in the right position that she needs to be. Um, it's just that I think she she was sort of she was let down most of the time, I think, by Kirsty Fenton, who did not read the game very well and so many times got pulled in field and had Dudinia come around her corner and just wasn't able to catch up. So yeah, I'm, I've been really impressed with those two. I've also been impressed with Sally James, as it was mentioned earlier. I think this was the first real test that she's had. Um, and we haven't really seen a huge amount of her over the sort of the last 18 months or so because she's been injured. So this was, a, I think, a good demonstration of um, her, yeah, her sort of, uh, her her influence off the ball, I would say. Like, yeah, she made some saves, obviously, but she's very commanding. And I think the reference or the, the comparison that was made in the last episode was that she gives the same vibes as Tegan Micah, which I definitely agree with because a big part of Micah's game is communication off the ball and it's being in the right position. It's ensuring that she is able to see everything and that all of the people in front of her are doing their jobs. And for the most part, I feel like she had, you saw Sally James talking and talking and talking all the time. She was very commanding. And when the ball was sort of in the air, except for, there was one moment in, I think, the start of the first half where James was beaten in the air by Tarsiane, the absolutely unbelievable centre-back for Brazil, who is just a, a giant and seems like the next Wendy Renard or the next Virgil van Dijk. She was just so composed. But other than that, I thought James was pretty good in those kinds of moments. She doesn't seem to get overwhelmed um, by players sort of hassling her. And, and trying to sort of bundle or muscle her off the ball. So that's that's a that's a silver lining, I think, to all this. I would say the same thing. Copy and paste your answer there, Sam. I think um, there were moments in this game where you could see the defence trying to stay composed and to try and play a passing game, and I thought that that was um, – if they can continue to yeah, bring that and hopefully next game we won't have the same kinds of interruptions. I mean, we can't put it all on the interruptions. It is the kind of role of the players and the team to be able to respond to these kinds of hurdles that they come up against. But um, if they're able to, yeah, just keep pushing it that like, yeah, Sally James as well. Like she was a kind of, it was a risky pass, but she like kind of threaded the ball through to the midfield at one point when it was played back to her. And I was just like, wow because like you could easily mess that up but she didn't and it was just kind of I I don't know it was a a risk but it it, it paid off in some ways so just that kind of yeah I guess being a little bit and there was one moment as well where um Kirsty Fenton you've mentioned she didn't have the best game but she contributed to one of the attacking runs in the first half where she just kind of saw a slow ball from Brazil leapt on it and ran off. And it's just like kind of that playing a bit more gutsy um, and taking it to them. That might be nice. I guess that always comes with its cons in terms of, in terms of being left a little bit more exposed. But I mean, when you're under the pump and I presume that Spain will do the same, play a similar style in terms of just piling the pressure on, I guess you just have to take those chances and to run with them. Um, and to see what you can do because that's all we've really got in this kind of scenario so yeah I don't know Um, and I would like to see more of I guess is this a cop-out like to see more chances and yeah more goals and maybe yeah but Galich like Galich having um, more time on the ball would be nice as well just because she's fun to watch there's that selfish to say I don't know 
Yeah. I don't think it's selfish. And I think we can all collectively say with complete confidence some more chances would be really nice because more chances just means more than one in this context. So any kind of improvement in attack would be nice to see. I do think, or I'd like to see Abby Lemon. I know we're big kind of lemon pumpers on this pod here, but as you mentioned, Sam, she was at Levante. Surely that counts for something coming up against Spain and also just adding something a little bit different because, again, the the two kind of sample games we've had haven't really given us the best indication of what this attack can do. But there's a part of me that's like, if we haven't really seen what they're doing, maybe it's not working. So I do kind of want to see the introduction of some other players, if not into the starting 11, then maybe sooner than what we've been seeing them over the past two games. Cause I just, I'm like, wait, let's experiment. Let's try things. Let's see kind of what happens. Oh, I just wanted to ask, um, so the, the Brazil celebration for the first goal, that was a little bit overwhelming because they were all celebrating so much. I was like, who actually scored? I can't tell right now. But what's the thing? So one of the players, she did an impression of a cat with worms. And is that, no, like when she dragged her bottom on the ground, do you know what I'm talking about? No? <laughs> no? No. Wait, wait, was this, I mean, I mean, I might be lost in the sort of haze of three coffees and being up since 3am. Is this really something that happened? Yes. Yes. They had their little group and they were like all doing little dances. And then she like hopped on the ground and like dragged her bum on the ground. Did, she, I, like, did she like hop? Yes. Can't, what is that? I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a, I feel like I've seen that celebration before. I don't think I've ever heard it described as cat with worms, which has that's tickled what me. That's where my brain goes. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm sure that's not what she's trying to do because why would you celebrate that? It's very uncomfortable <laughs> for cats. But I was just putting it to you guys because I wanted, I thought maybe you'd know what I was, like what it actually I, is. Anyway, I, maybe just go back and rewatch it. And listeners, if you can tell me that, the origins of this particular celebration that would be much appreciated so I can replace it in my mind with what it currently is. Or maybe I've just ruined it for a lot of people. Sorry to that player. All right, so let's wrap this thing up with some final thoughts, some looking ahead and looking out because, as always, there are other games and groups at the Under-20s World Cup, but um, the other Group A match we're recording uh, not long after the young Matildas played, so the Costa Rica-Spain game hasn't actually started yet, so we don't know what's happened there, but I think we can all safely presume a, a Spain win seems likely I don't think that's controversial um to say but what does this Brazil loss mean for Australia and our potential kind of uh progression through to the next stage of the tournament yes permutations so um currently we sit second in the group um Brazil have leapfrogged us by virtue of their win if Spain beat Costa Rica, they will go into second and we'll go into third, which means that we have to beat Spain in the final match day if we want to get through to the quarterfinals. So it's, and, and uh, technically we 
uh, depending on how many goals Spain beat Costa Rica by, we could potentially draw against Spain. And if we have a great adult goal difference, we'll go through as second spot as well. So our goal differences are both zero at the moment. Right. So, so that's, yeah. No bueno. Let's see. Yeah. That's going to, this, this Spain Costa Rica game is going to be very important for the Matildas uh, future chances at the quarterfinals. But, you know, this Brazil side, as we said at the top of this pod, like this is an amazing team. And if this is going to be the future of Brazil senior women's national team, then watch out the rest of the world. Because if this is how they're performing at this level, can you imagine once they're all in fully professional environments and have grown into their bodies and have a couple more serious years under their belt, like they are going to be an absolute force to be reckoned with. So losing to this team, I don't feel bad about it because like mad, I would, I just love sitting there and watching them during that broadcast. Hey, like they're just such a beautiful football team and they have so many talented players who are going to be absolute superstars of the future. And that's what these tournaments are all about. You know, like Marta and Cristiane made their debuts at the under twenties women's world cup in 20, 2004. And then they went on to become two of the best players in the history of the game. And I can't help but think back to 2019 when Marta at the Women's World Cup sort of made that incredibly impassioned, emotional speech at the end of the Miracle of Montpellier, I think it was, or after another game. And she called out to the next generation of Brazilian women footballers and sort of passed the flame to them and tried to inspire them to take up the history that Marta and Cristiane and Formiga were laying down and it feels like this is the first team to respond to that call which is so exciting I could not agree more with that also god what a time to remember the martyr speech that's gonna that's gonna fuel me for the rest of the week (laughs) can't disappoint martyr I'm gonna wear my martyr socks and everything (laughs) um any final takes before we wrap this bad boy up no Sorry, I was just like sitting there mouth breathing. <laughs> I was like, no, we don't, I don't have anything to contribute. No one needs to see that. Listeners, I am sick. If you couldn't tell from how awful I sound. Anyway. Oh, mouth breathing is it's a great word. I think that's enough from us today. As we said, we're recording this before the Spain-Costa Rica results, so obviously we will see what the proper permutations are once we have all of the information. Our final group game is against Spain, who, as Sam mentioned, just won the under-19 under nineteen women's Euros, which is a fun and terrifying thing to think about. We will face them on Wednesday, the 17th of August, kickoff at 12 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. You can watch that on SBS and SBS On Demand. You will see Sam and Grace Skill, some lovely friends of the pod once again. But until then, remember, we're on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can find us on Spotify, Apple and Google, all the pod spots. If you like what we're doing, you can subscribe and leave a review. If you want to chat to us about how the young Matildas are going, we are at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But otherwise, until next time, go to Gillies and see us. <laughs>